Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. For several months, I have been doing the Ignatian Spiritual Exercises Retreat in Daily Life, which basically means that I spend about an hour a day going through an exercise um, first developed by St. Ignatius. And then once a week, I meet with a spiritual director and talk through what the Lord has been showing me. And it's been really interesting. I I would say there's been some weeks that have been really powerful. It's been uh, stretching in many ways. I think I'm much more of the, let's read through the Bible in a year or take large chunks of scripture. So to go back to the same eight verses multiple times is, um, it's stretching. <laughs> it's not what I'm used to. And one of the things that Ignatius encourages is that we would read through the passage that's offered three times and then kind of put it aside and ask the Lord what is jumping out at me and then pray into those things. So I did that a few times. So I have experienced it. I'm not very good at doing that every day. I think usually I read through it once or twice and then just kind of go through and analyze because that's maybe more how my brain works. Then the second thing that we're supposed to do or another method is to enter the scene and really imagine what is going on. And I will say I'm not super good at this one either. Um, The one week that I really, really tried to imagine myself in each of the different scenes, I completely broke down in the midst of explaining what was happening um, to my spiritual director. And she was like, Amy, just because you're crying, it doesn't mean that you need healing prayer. It could be that you just really have Um, that you're sharing the father heart of God in grief over what is happening in these different scenes. And that's a gift, the gift of tears, and there's nothing wrong with you. But I think that's a lot of emotional output, so I don't always do a great job and turn into deep imagination. But I did want to share just a couple of kind of new thoughts for me. One One of the additional things that I have needed in this season of doing these spiritual exercises is uh, actually asking the Lord each day, what new thing do you have for me? Because it's pretty easy to approach a passage of scripture, especially one that you've read many times throughout your life and then, you know, multiple times in the last few months and feel like, no, no, I really got it. (laughs) No, no, I really understand this one now. Thank you, Jesus. Let's move on. And uh, so I really appreciated Um, when I returned again to the woman at the well, that sense of really wrestling with what did this look like um, for these different characters, that you have Jesus who is so tired and so hot, and you have this picture of him sitting against this well, and he is, uh, it's, it says that it's noonday, so you have this sense like, are there an extra three inches of shade if I sit on this side of the well? I'm sitting over here. Um, just kind of leaning back against the well, so tired, and he sent his disciples on to get food. And uh, here comes the women, and uh, she she's coming. And I've heard different reports say, like, well, normally people would draw water at the beginning of the day, and so she's just completely rejected. And maybe there's some validity to that, but I've also heard that there is... Um, people would draw water when they needed water. So I don't know that you can entirely assume that. The reality is, though, that she has been probably one of the most rejected people ever 
in the sense that I think only females were, or only males were allowed to divorce. And so the fact that she'd had five husbands who had all chosen to divorce her and then is now living with a man who didn't even bother to marry her, it's a pretty intense amount of rejection for a single person to have to endure. Anyway, so you have Jesus and you can imagine him so tired and so thirsty. And he says, will you give me a drink? And that is such a a basic request. It's such a basic need. And yet what she does is like, why are you speaking to me? And I think I've always read that as kind of like this, oh, I'm taken by surprise. Why are you speaking to me? Kind of like in a nice chipper tone of voice, the way I might say it. And what I think I realized this last time is that she was very hostile. Um, That that question is more like, why are you speaking to me? Like that rage of like, you are my enemy and you're piping up. How dare you? And that's, that's pretty intense to consider. Um, just the, how it crackles with her rage and rejection. And so I don't really know why I'm sharing that other than that's pretty intense to consider how human these interactions were. And I will say, I appreciate that from a entering into the scene in your imagination, I think there are nuances that come to light that maybe weren't there or that you wouldn't have seen before. So my spiritual director also encourages me to not be worried about, did this actually happen or not? That it's, um, that you're, you're doing this with the Lord. And so he's giving you different gifts that speak to you. And so I don't, I try not to be too concerned about okay, well, was she actually asking it in a chipper tone of voice or was she actually really angry? Uh, That's maybe less important than just saying, what do you have for me today, Jesus, in this passage? The word is living and active, and so we can actually imagine ourselves in some of these scenes. So the other passage, and this just delighted me. You know, there's the passage where Jesus heals um, the man who is blind, but he has to do it in stages. This is kind of this odd passage. I think it's Mark chapter eight, maybe, maybe nine. But anyway, the, uh, where the, they bring a man to him who's blind and and Jesus spits on his eyes and then asks if he can see. And the man is like, well, I I can kind of see, but the people look like they're trees walking around. And so then Jesus has to touch him again and then he can see clearly. And I've always thought that was interesting, but I've never really thought like, why did Jesus even ask can you see? And so this is how I imagined this scene this last time was it could be clearly the man could have seen before that he would know that people, um, that he was seeing kind of foggy people walking around. So I suspect that he had some kind of cataract or something else that had developed after he had had good vision for a while. And what's interesting about some of those kinds of cataracts or other eye issues is that it can create kind of a a film over the eyes themselves. And so I wonder if that's why Jesus asked, you know, like, oh, I've taken away a lot of the film, but it still looks like if there's a little bit obscuring. So is that actually what happened? I don't know. But it's, it's an interesting thing to consider that even Jesus needed this kind of multiplying, or he needed more than one pass to heal this man's vision. And then the Ignatian exercises point out that this comes at the beginning of when Jesus was going to Jerusalem, and he starts to teach the disciples, and they so manifestly do not understand what he's saying. So there's also this kind of interesting 
overlay that I had never noticed before, that the uh, that Jesus is also trying to clear the vision of the disciples and that they don't get it the first time. <laughs> That's very true. Okay. So Jesus, thank you for the ways that you teach us. Thank you for the ways that you've given us imagination. Lord, thank you that we get to read your word and come to it with new eyes. Thank you that you always have new gifts for us, that your word is living and active and that it speaks into our lives and existence. Lord, we're so grateful that you reach down and interact with us. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen.